Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Arike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Nine twenty-five and counting left in the game. Notre Dame and Cal all tied at seventeen. Fine takes the snap, drops back, looks into the end zone, throws to the end zone. Touchdown, Notre Dame! Two yards deep in that end zone, in the middle of the field. It's Michael Mayer all by himself, and now it's Notre Dame out in front, twenty-three seventeen. Ball is placed at the 35-yard line on the far hash. And Cal just huddled up. They're ready. Notre Dame has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven defensive backs inside the 10-yard line, close to the goal line. They'll rush four, and nobody in between those players. Plummer has the shotgun snap. He's in trouble, steps up, flushed out to his right, lets it go to the end zone, and it is tipped up and on the ground, incomplete. Oh. The ball tipped up four yards deep in the end zone, batted around, and it falls incomplete one yard deep in the end zone. And it fell on a Cal receiver. The ball was on his chest, and he just didn't tighten his hands. Jeremiah Hunter had the ball fall in his lap, and it rolled out. Paul Burmeister and Ryan Harris on the Notre Dame Radio Network. Heard right here on WSBT Radio. Saturday afternoon. It was a crazy finish. Notre Dame had to outscore California 10-0 in the fourth quarter to pull out a 24-17 victory over the Golden Bears. It's a brand new week on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on 960 AM WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. Thank you so much for joining me. On this Monday, September the 19th of 2022, it is right now 10 minutes after 5 o'clock, and we are on the air for two hours tonight. Until 7 o'clock, we're talking Notre Dame football as we mainly focus on 
the Irish figuring out a way to beat California to pick up their first win of the year in three tries. And we'll slightly look ahead to what appears to be an offensive juggernaut down in Chapel Hill now. I say it looks like because they've played Florida A&M, really good App State team, and also Georgia State. And now they're a team averaging 50 points per game, getting set to take on the Fighting Irish, who gave up a pair of touchdowns to California last Saturday. We welcome you to the program. We're live on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com, and on the WSBT Radio app. We are streaming a video feed right now on the Twitch app. Well, the Fighting Irish got it done. They won by seven. And for me, this is one of these shows where I'm going to try to make everybody happy because I think depending on your level of fandom with Notre Dame football, you might look at this game totally differently. There's the average fan who watches the Irish every week or listens to the Irish on the radio and doesn't get into every X and O or who the third string tackle is on the football team. And they're probably the fan that is just excited. Notre Dame won this game. They finally won a game. They're now one and two. And they're satisfied despite how the game looked at times. So I'm going to try to make them happy, but then there's also the diehard fan that can tell you the fifth-string tackle (laughs) and who might be fourth in line to kick extra points if there's a rash of injuries. They might be more on the disappointed side. Not that they won the game, but they didn't look as good as maybe they thought they were going to or should have in this particular game. So I'm sure the range of happiness about this win is all over the place. So I hope I can find a happy medium and we can have some fun talking about this game, but also point to the fact that there are still weaknesses on this football team that surprise us that are weaknesses. I think there are areas of the football team that got a lot better on Saturday. That's why we'll try to have a nice, simple conversation. We'll mix in audio from head coach Marcus Freeman. He has met the media twice since the win over Cal, of course, after the game. And then Marcus met the media earlier today. We carry his Monday press conference live at noon here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, my first pitch today is Irish quarterback Drew Pine settled down as the game went on, allowing the Fighting Irish to have a chance to win their first game of the year. It was a week for Drew Pine that he got to take a majority of the first team reps, something that he has not had the opportunity to do. As a backup, you get your share of reps, but it's never been a game week about him. It was this past week, leading into the matchup with California. Pine in the offense did just enough to help Irish head coach Marcus Freeman pick up his first career victory in his fourth try as Notre Dame posted the home win over Cal 24-17. It was a game the Irish were down 
in the fourth quarter, 17-14. Rather than missed opportunities in the fourth quarter, like in the previous two games, this ending was a whole lot more fun for Irish fans. Notre Dame outscored California 10-0 over the final 15 minutes. Even the last moments of the game, I don't think anybody could enjoy it because there were if ands, and buts, and targeting, and this and that, and reviews taking away touchdowns. It was way too interesting than maybe it should have been. But at the end of the day, the Irish defense avoided that miracle Hail Mary throw that you heard on the Notre Dame Radio Network just a moment ago, starting the program, and they survived and won the ball game. But early on, did you have that feeling that Saturday was not going to go well? Well, first off, neither team on offense could get anything going in the first quarter. And Notre Dame offensively didn't really have a chance to get a first down over the last co- or first couple of drives because their quarterback might have been just too jacked up for the moment. Whatever the case was, he did not look comfortable, and simple things were hard for Drew Pine. The first play of the game, Tommy Reese calls up the perfect play. You get Drew Pine on the move, out of the pocket, and a little six or seven yard pass right in front of him. And it was almost like one of us playing out at Blackthorn. You got a chip for birdie and you dub it. The ball, instead of going 15 feet to the hole, goes about three feet. That's what that throw looked like. The fumbled snaps, the ball loose on the ground, bobbling the ball. It was rough to watch at times as we all know Drew was excited for this opportunity, grew up an Irish fan, waiting for the opportunity to start for this football team, got the chance, and I'm sure the moment was pretty large and there were nerves and probably was just trying too hard. And then we all got a chance to see Tommy Reese's way of handling that moment when his quarterback is struggling. You pick up the phone, you get the quarterback on the other side of the phone, and you yell at him and you use a particular word several times to get your point across. That camera on NBC comes in awfully handy with Tommy Reese. We see a lot of his emotions. I wouldn't be surprised if Tommy doesn't accidentally put his hat over that camera the next time the Irish play at home. I might do that if I were in his shoes. But Pine eventually would settle down, got comfortable, and in my personal opinion, as the game went on, it wasn't like Coach Reese asked him to do something astronomical to win this football game. They ran it a heck of a lot more than they allowed Pine to throw the football, and they did not throw the football down the field at all in this game. There were no vertical shots down the field. It was keeping it simple, and that's what I mentioned on Friday. I was worried about those two or three throws where you're like, oh, no, oh, boy. You know what? That didn't really happen because I think The game plan didn't allow that to happen. 
They got the ball out of his hand quickly, easy reads for the most part, and Pine ended up a tidy 17 of 23 for 150 yards, a couple of touchdown passes, and no interceptions. That second touchdown pass came with the score tied at 14 with 9-16 to play in the fourth quarter. A couple of things from that play. First off, running back Audric Estime gave Pine a chance to throw the touchdown pass. Estime was the offensive player that stepped up right in front of Drew Pine and got a good piece of the Cal defender that was getting very close to Pine. Just that block gave Pine enough time to allow the route to unfold over the middle of the field and delivered a strike. And the reason why the receiver was open, it was All-American tight end Michael Mayer. He did a little jab step. The defender lost a couple of pieces of a tire on the move, cut inside, and was all by himself and pined through a strike to Mayer for the go-ahead and ultimately game-winning touchdown. Boy, Michael just shook that defender, and it was pitch and catch, like seven-on-seven for Drew Pine. But it doesn't happen unless Estimate does his job getting a piece of that Cal defender. Again, Pine was not asked to win the game by his coaching staff. Keep it simple. Simple is not a bad thing. Simple doesn't have to mean conservative. Simple gets the ball out of your quarterback's hand timely. It's not like he was throwing the ball consistently 10 yards down the field. It was a game manager type passing performance. And you know what? I'm okay with that because Cal wasn't really good enough to beat you in that type of offensive setting. They weren't going to go out and score 30 points in this game. The stats show what we're talking about. 17 of 23. 17 completions, only 150 yards in this ballgame. That is 6.5 yards per pass attempt, 8.8 yards per completion. As a comparison, Jack Plummer, the quarterback for California, his yards per completion was almost four yards more than Pine at 11.5. So the stats aren't going to blow you away, but over the last three quarters, the offense did enough to pick up the victory. And Coach Freeman, of course, stresses no turnovers by his quarterback. Well, he did not throw a pick in this particular game against Cal. Marcus Freeman, on the week leading up to Saturday's game, how did Drew Pine handle it? He was a little bit too excited. I'm like, Drew, calm down, calm down. I texted him on Monday or Tuesday. I can't remember what day it was. I said, I told you, at some point this season, this time was going to come, and I did. I was in my office when we told him that we were going to name Tyler Buckner the quarterback, and I said, at some point during this year, you're going to have to lead this program to a victory and maybe multiple victories. And uh, I text him, here it is, and, and he was so excited. And um, he's preparing, preparing. We had to kick him out of the office a couple of times. Go home, get some rest, stop watching film. But that's who Drew Pine is. He's an ultimate competitor. He's going to prepare the right way, and uh, this is going to be a momentum builder for him. Well, let's hope so, because the Irish are going to have to score some points this Saturday 
in Chapel Hill. As I documented a moment ago, and as you witnessed watching the game, it was a rough start for Drew Pine, but then things seemed to slow down, got into a better rhythm, and did what the offense asked him to do. Marcus Freeman on getting his quarterback settled down. Yeah, at first you're like, okay, just come on, he'll get it, you know, tap him on the shoulder pad, and then I said, okay, that's not working, and I kind of went to the other end of the spectrum, kind of ripped his butt a little bit, and um, that didn't work too much. We fumbled the next now. I think that was after the fumble, but you know what? I told Drew, relax, man. Go out and be Drew Pine and, and execute, and it helped because you gained a little confidence in the running game in the second half, and then he started making those passes, and we had wide else have to do their job. It's not all Drew Pine. We had a couple of drops that we have to make sure that that doesn't happen, but um, he's a warrior, man. He is a competitor, and uh, he's a great example for everybody at Lockwood because you never know when your, your number's going to be called. And Drew Pine always prepared as a starter. And uh, to see him get his opportunity, man, I'm really happy for him. Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman. Well, the offense was obviously tilted toward the run game. 41 rush attempts for the Irish, 23 passes thrown. The 41 rushes, 147 yards, just 3.6 yards per carry. I mentioned the 6.5 yards per pass attempt. That's a little low, want to be above seven. Targets in the game, the Irish wide receivers were targeted 10 times by Drew Pine. The running backs, eight times, and Michael Mayer, five times. There was a long stretch in the game where Michael Mayer did not have a target, but he showed up at the end when they needed him catching the go-ahead touchdown pass in the fourth quarter. So right now, through three games, the Irish offense 10 points against Ohio State, 21 against Marshall, and now a tick better against California, posting 24. They're still tied for 115th in the country in scoring offense at 18.3. Total yards, 114th in the country at 300 yards per contest. And rushing yards, Notre Dame is 102 in the country at 117 Point seven yards per ball game. Third down continues to be an issue. Three for 12 against Cal. For the season, the Irish are 10 for 38. That is 26.3%, and that is 124th in the nation. The only teams behind the Irish that are worse on third downs, Kansas State, San Diego State, Utah State, Colorado, Old Dominion, and Akron. That's six teams below the Irish in third down offensive efficiency. Some of my early thoughts offensively on this Irish performance against Cal. We'll talk more about this win over California and look ahead to Carolina with my next guest, my game day sports speed co-host, Blue and Gold Illustrated Notre Dame football beat reporter Tyler Horka joins me in just a couple of moments as we talk fighting Irish football on this Monday following a victory over California 24-17 as we broadcast live on 960 AM WSBT. And, of course, we are streaming live at WSBTradio.com, the WSBT radio app, and also the Twitch app.
Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. Five fire rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host. Darren Pritchett. Well, the Irish are now 1-2. They turn back California 31-24 at the stadium on Saturday. And now they get set to take on a North Carolina team averaging 50 points per game over their first three contests. And they have a lot of offensive skill. Yeah, they played Florida A&M and Georgia State, but they had one whale of a game with Appalachian State in week number two. Tyler Horka is the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. And he is also my co-host for Game Day Sports Beat, powered by Michelob Ultra, which occurs every game day Saturday, including this Saturday. Tyler will be broadcasting his portion of the show from Chapel Hill, as we will be on the air from 12 until 2.30. So, Tyler, thank you so much for the time. Greatly appreciate it. I guess let's just start with your perspective on Notre Dame figuring out a way to win this game. I mentioned at the start of the program, I'm going to try to make everybody happy today because the average fan might be just happy. Hey, they won a game, thank goodness. The diehard might be saying, okay, they won the game, I'm happy, but Cal's not that good and we still should be playing a whole lot better. How do you kind of put into words the meaning of this victory for the Irish? I think at this point, you have to look at the season with a bit of a curve or maybe the expectations you realize aren't what they were they were at the beginning of the year. You have to alter the way that you look at it after an 0-2 start. And maybe you weren't doing that after the loss to Ohio State because I think Notre Dame yep. did enough good things in that game to say, okay, maybe we're not so far off if that team is – destined to be in the college football playoff, then we played them within 11 points. And if our offense gets a little bit better, then we're right there. I think that's why you saw Notre Dame stay in the top 10 in the polls. But when then you lose to a Marshall team at home that the very next week loses to Bowling Green, which is not a very good transitive look for Notre Dame in that sense. And I know we're only three weeks in, so everyone's kind of obsessed with the transitive property things. But, man, that I – you have to look at the season with uh, changed expectations. And if you do that, then I think you lean more toward Saturday's win over Cal being a, a very good thing because you look at that betting line. It started at 17.5 over the <laughs> summer, dropped all the way to 10. It was under double digits at some point. So everybody knew it was going to be a pretty close game. And Notre Dame goes out and wins by a touchdown. And defensively, you know, there were some things that you'd like to have back, but at the end of the day, you only give up 17 points. And offensively, you're starting a quarterback for the very first time again for the second time in, in three games. So I don't think there was much to expect offensively with Drew Pine starting and the offensive line looking shaky early and the wide receivers not being much of a threat at all. But somehow you managed to make enough plays, and Drew Pine did that the, the touchdown pass to Michael Mayer was awesome. The couple of passes before that, he moved the chains on third down to Lorenzo Styles and then hit Estimate over the middle on the catch and run. So Pine made enough plays. The running game got going enough. And then, like I said, I don't think the defense was, was all too bad. Now, like you said, 
all of that is against the Cal team that, I don't know, might end up 6-6 six and six in a really cruddy Pac-12. <laughs> That's not a very good football team over there. But, you know, I don't want to say Notre Dame is not a very good football team, but they're definitely not as good as everyone thought they would be. So at this point, I think it has become a season in which you have, you have got to look at every single win as a good thing, and Notre Dame finally got one this past Saturday. We all agreed that the Ohio State offensive game plan was extremely conservative. Personally, I called the Cal offensive game plan simple, which to me is different than conservative. I don't believe they asked Drew Pine to do a whole lot in this game. He was not going to put the offense on his back because they just did not have him throw the football down the field hardly at all. As you look ahead into the coming weeks, it sure looks like, Tyler, if you're going to win some of these more marquee games against a Carolina Clemson, you're going to have to score some points. Do you see the possibility that when the handcuffs are taken off a little more, we will see Drew Pine to be able to run this offense at a fairly high level? Uh, I would say yes and no. It's a scary proposition if you're Notre Dame because Marcus Freeman said today, we don't want to get into a shootout with North Carolina, and I'm pretty sure everybody in the Goob doesn't want to get in a shootout with North Carolina. But then, going along the lines of what you said, you kind of do want to open it up no matter who you're playing, and North Carolina just so happens to be the next team on the schedule. So, Drew Pine only threw three of his 23 pass attempts more than 10 yards Mm -hmm. downfield. I mean, that sounds like we're playing football in the 1940s, uh, and this is 2022, so you got to look downfield at some point. But I'll ask you, who, who is Notre Dame going to look downfield to right now? Mm. They tried the Braden Lindsay thing when Tyler Buckner was still healthy, and we saw, you know, four or five attempts in the Marshall game alone that didn't that Braden Lindsay didn't come up with, and now some of that was on Buckner, but I think some of that is on Lindsay too. So the wide receivers have to get better, and they they have to prove that it's worth throwing the ball downfield because we could sit here all day and say Notre Dame needs more of a vertical element. Notre Dame needs to get downfield. Notre Dame needs the stress of the defense. All of those things are true. Nobody is denying that. But I think the real question is, can Notre Dame effectively do that right now? And I think Drew Pine has the arm for it. But right now this offense just is not operating at a level with its wide outs that lends itself to, to going downfield. So I mean, if they get behind North Carolina, they're going to be forced to go downfield a little bit because the the RPO stuff and a lot of the screen passes, I think all that was awesome. That's going to beat Cal probably nine out of the ten times you play the Bears. But is that going to beat North Carolina nine out of the ten times you play the Tar Heels? I'm not sure. So, yes, Notre Dame needs to open it up. But right now the Irish need to be asking themselves, how are we going to do that and can we even do that? They've got to get better in that aspect in a hurry. Might start seeing a little bit more of Tobias Merriweather, by the way things sound. He's Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read all about it at blueandgold.com. I don't know how much you put into the grades that Pro Football Focus delivers every week, but according to their numbers from the Cal game of the 19 offensive players they graded, The top three were offensive linemen. For the second straight week, left tackle Joe Alt was the most productive offensive player, according to Pro Football Focus. 
No surprise who was second, Jared Patterson. Maybe a lot of people would be surprised that Zeke Carell, the center, was graded at number three. Maybe as surprising, Blake Fisher, the right tackle, was 18th. Now, I don't know what goes into their grading. I'm not here to try to figure out how they come up with all this, if they're right or wrong. But that's one way of analyzing the offensive line because that's one of the more difficult things to do because we don't have stats that we can look at. Do you feel like the offensive line took steps forward? And part two of my question is, the run game numbers don't look great at 3.6, but Cal came into this game trying to stop the run, and if you're not going to get the ball down the field, that's probably going to keep the rushing numbers down, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And to the first part of your question, I think the Notre Dame offensive line is is what it is right now. It's a little bit inconsistent. You have the guys like Joe Alt, Jared Patterson, who would you expect to play very well, and they did, and Zeke Carell probably had his best of the game of the season, and that's an encouraging thing. But then, uh, you know, Blake Fisher struggled a little bit, and I know he's probably maybe the most talented guy or the, or the guy you would say has the most upside on the Notre Dame offensive line, but that was his fifth game of his career to start, and he's showing signs of a guy who's trying to learn on the fly a little bit. And, you know, it's not like he was able to, to practice through – all of the games that he missed last year. I mean, he was standing on the sideline because he underwent a knee procedure and, you know, he he was physically limited. So all of those things kind of add up and and he's struggling a little bit. And that right side of the line is struggling a little bit just in general. I think Josh Lug can, can play much better and he needs to play much better for Notre Dame, but you are a little bit um, encouraged by what happened on the left side of the line. I think Joe Alt is, is getting better by the game and, you know, he's a guy that came on strong last year in, in a way that Fisher wasn't able to because of that injury. So you're, you're seeing kind of the disparity in those two sophomores and what an entire half of, you know, half a season of football was able to do for Alt. And then, yeah, the, the running game looked a lot better. I think there was a lot of push. I mean, this was a, a power five team that Notre Dame was up against. So and even though Marshall came in here and beat Notre Dame, technically they were probably playing a little bit better of athletes against Cal and, and you're going up against a Cal defense led by Justin Wilcox that, you know, kind of likes to hang its hat on that side of the ball. So all of those things considered, I think it was a pretty good day for the Notre Dame offensive line. Could be better. It's still an inconsistent unit, but you're starting to see some of the things that you think Notre Dame could be doing really well in October and November when this season, when this team wants to be playing its best football. And, of course, Marshall lost at Bowling Green in overtime, 34-31, to a Bowling Green team that had not won a game going into the matchup against Marshall. That's just college football being college football. One more offensive question before we shift to defense. I know you asked Coach Freeman this today about any chance you kind of dust off the old Ohio State game plan where it was run, 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 trying to keep Ohio State off the field. Well, here's a Carolina team averaging – 50 points per game. Uh, what type of answer did you get from Marcus? And give me your cliff note version of your answer for that, because I know we're going to talk quite a bit about that on game day on Saturday. Yeah, basically, he, Marcus Freeman said, that the, the circumstances are all unique week to week. And yes, Ohio State and North Carolina maybe do some things similarly. And just the amount of yards and points that they both pile up, which is a lot for both of them, but, you know, Notre Dame needs to, to think of itself in this, at this point. I think, um, you know, it knows the person that is sending out there. It's going to be Drew Pine. 
once again. And does Drew Pine want to get into a shootout? We talked about that a little bit earlier. Probably not, but at some point you, you kind of have to look at who's on the other side of the field as well and say, okay, Rick May is a guy that is putting up a touchdown pretty much every drive at this point, and what we have to do to combat that. Well, Marcus said, you know, it's not all about our offensive game plan that's going to kind of make or break to be the difference in this game. It's can the defense get some stops? Can the defense get a turnover that it didn't against <laughs> Ohio State? Yeah. You know, Notre Dame is going to have to score more than 10 points to beat anybody. I said it here. I said it on our pregame shows. You know, I've, I've pretty much told everybody that when I'm having conversations about Notre Dame football. So it, it, it's got to be complimentary. Both sides of the ball have to be operated effectively. But I, I do think that at this point, we know enough about Notre Dame, and Notre Dame might know enough about it, itself to say, yeah, I think we have to conjure up a specific game plan depending on who we're playing because maybe the one that they put out there against Cal, which you said simple, doesn't get it done against a team like North Carolina. And you have to remember, North Carolina's defense, for as good as its offense is, Cardinals' defense is yeah. very susceptible to giving up big plays and a lot of points. So maybe you get a little bit more aggressive knowing who you're facing. So that, that kind of wraps up everything I just said right there. Know your foe, and, yeah, your, your game plan is going to change depending on the opponent because Notre Dame does not have a prolific offense that can go out against anybody in the country and say, we're just going to play our game and we're going to beat you. I think we've seen enough through three games to know that, yeah. you know, there's going to have to be a little bit of a game plan involved, especially when you're going up against a team that can score like North Carolina. He's Tyler Horkin, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. You kind of cut up throughout your answer there, so I don't know if you shifted seats, maybe hold up a water bottle, change something, because it was a little, little crackly there, so we'll try it again with this particular question answer. But I wanted to go defensive-minded thoughts for a couple of moments, including your reaction to Ben Morrison getting the start over Clarence Lewis at one of the cornerback spots. Is this a game-specific decision or is this something that you feel like will be the norm going forward okay i just took my ear my earphones out because i already said i was cutting up and yeah we have all this technology now but sometimes <laughs> the technology doesn't really want to work for us so, so i heard you talking about uh, benjamin morrison starting over clarence yeah. lewis and then there was a the second part of your question do you feel like that's going to be the norm or was that a game specific decision yeah, I'm not so sure if that was a game-specific decision because, yeah, Cal had some guys that you're a little bit scared of, and Sturdivant, who, by the way, went to my high school, which is, which hmm. is a pretty cool thing back at North Texas, but he was matched up with Cam Hart all day, and if that was your most worrisome matchup, then you know you, you left one of your starters out there in the first place. So I, I think this is more of a, a personnel thing, and I, I think they really like the, the confidence that Morrison has and – doesn't really matter who they're going up against. You're going to see this kid play. And um, North Carolina, Josh Downs is going to be healthy, and, and they've got a lot of guys that they can throw at Notre Dame. So I think you're going to see the healthy rotation defensive backs once again. And Clarence Lewis, uh, Marcus Freeman was not you know, shy to talk him up in the press conference today too. And he said, yeah, he didn't get the start, which snapped a, a streak of 19 straight starts, which is one of the longest on the team. Might have been the longest on the team. I need to take a double – look at that so that's pretty nuts to go back to his freshman year where he started six games and then he started all 13 games last year and played the most snaps and here you have a true freshman taking that away from him but he came in I think he had a pass breakup he was you know there to make multiple plays I think Clarence Lewis has had a rebound type of season 
Benjamin Morrison is obviously really confident and playing really well for, for only being three games into his college career. So you've got a couple guys right there that you really like. I think Jaden Mickey, I mean, they tested him against Ohio State, obviously. I think Morrison has been the better of those two. So you've got three corners in your rotation that you really like. But I think Mickey needs to get to a place where he can spell Hart a little bit more because, you know, they went out Cam Hart last week, and, and it worked for Cal for a little while there. So I think Notre Dame wants to get to a point where it has four corners that it really, really trusts. And yep. right now Lewis and Morrison are, are two of those, and they're kind of interchangeable. We entered this season knowing that C.J. Stroud and Caleb Williams were going to be handfuls at the quarterback position playing against the Irish defense. I'm not sure the expectations of Derek May of North Carolina was going to be in that classification, and maybe he's still not at that particular level, but my goodness, Tyler, this guy is playing at a high level. He stood and watched Sam Howell last year at North Carolina, former Alabama commit. He's doing it all right now for this Carolina offense so how would you assess the problems that Notre Dame could have with this quarterback on Saturday I think they could have a lot of problems and you just go watch his game tape obviously and then you watch his interviews and you just can't help but be really impressed by this redshirt freshman who yeah like you said learned from what a lot of people were calling one of the better college quarterbacks in the last two three years and Sam Howe and now he's coming out here and doing it at probably an even better level. Now, he hasn't played a type of team like Notre Dame yet. You mentioned played an FCS opponent, Alabama, or Florida A&M, excuse me, and he played Georgia State and then Appalachian State, obviously. So the defenses that he's faced, I mean, those defenses can be had, and I think Notre Dame is a lot better than them. But, boy, strong arm, can put the ball anywhere, accurate arm, um, really sturdy guy that – you know, he's not known as a runner, but he can get out and run a little bit, and that kind of hurt Notre Dame with Jack Plummer and Cal this past weekend. You know, the, the main reason that Cal was in that game in the second half, I think, was Plummer's leg being able to extend plays and, and keep a drive going. So Drake May can do all of that, and he's even better with his arm. You saw Plummer miss a lot of throws that, you know, I was sitting in the press box, and I said, mm. man, that throw gets <laughs> Cal offense off the field, and gets the Notre Dame defense off the field and puts Drew Pine back out there to, to maybe finally start doing some things, and they did. So if Drake May hits those throws, which I think he does because the weapons around him are so good too, you know, Notre Dame could find itself in a hole early. And when we were talking earlier, I don't think Notre Dame has the, the offense to want to play in a game like that where it's got to play catch-up. So if you're Notre I mean, you saw it on Marcus Freeman's face today. If you're Notre Dame, you're absolutely worried about Drake May in that offense and – I mean, North Carolina is kind of a potent powerhouse off. Again, the, the teams that they played, you'll bring them back down to earth. But, I mean, the Tar Heels went out and racked up, what was it, 450 yards, close to 500 yards against Notre Dame last year. And I think they're just as good. The quarterback play has not fallen off yeah. with Sam Howell going to the NFL. So it's, it's a tough and scary matchup on the road for Notre Dame. What's happening this week at Blue and Gold Illustrated, specifically blueandgold.com? Oh, tons, tons, tons. We're still recapping the Cal game. We've got a couple more things coming out. Um, I've been doing the thing where I try to dig into some film and really analyze a certain aspect of the game. So look for that Tuesday morning on blueandgold.com. Coworker Patrick Engel does a really good job with that. He put his rewatch out this morning and a lot of really insightful tidbits and stuff and, uh, 
a statistic or two that I probably used here because I, I love reading his stuff and he, he really digs into it. So we're covering Notre Dame like nobody else. And I can't believe we're already a quarter of the way through yeah. this regular season. So no, no better time than now to pick up blue and get there $1 for an entire year of premium access and kind of enjoy the rest of the season with us. It's, it's one that's turned into a season where you don't really know what, know what to expect. And I think that's the best time to kind of be engaged a community like blueandgold.com because there's so much to talk about. Besides all the football talk for you hockey geeks, there's actually a hockey theme on the message board right now with the uscho.com preseason poll coming out. So if you're into hockey, there's a little thread already starting on the message board at blueandgold.com. Just a little added bonus to all the other very important things involving football right now. And Tyler, I will talk to you on the phone on Saturday as you'll be in Chapel Hill covering the game for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Tyler will co-host game day with me from noon until 2.30. Looking forward to chatting with you once again. Yeah, I can't wait, Darren. It's going to be a good time. All right, safe travels to Chapel Hill. We'll talk to you then. All right, thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Tyler Horka, he is the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. You can check out his work, Patrick, Mike, all the crew at blueandgold.com. His colleague, Mike Singer, will join me tomorrow as we talk Notre Dame football recruiting here on WSBT Radio. 5.52 at WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 611 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Streaming live at WSBTradio.com, our free WSBT radio app, and a video feed on the Twitch app. I'm Darren Pritchett. Great to have you on board on this Victory Monday, our first of 2022. Notre Dame over California, 24-17. Irish outscored Cal 10-0 in the fourth quarter to pull out the victory, the first for head coach Marcus Freeman. And the first victory for Coach Freeman occurred while using a backup quarterback as a starting quarterback for the first time. Drew Pine got the call due to Tyler Buckner being out with the shoulder injury, lost for four months, so Pine got the opportunity to start, and it was a rough start for Drew, but he got better as the game went on and finished 17 of 23 for 150 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and he was sacked two times on the day, helped out by a running game that put up 147 yards in the contest. After the game, the Irish starting quarterback, who won in his first start, met the media to talk about, well, getting off to an auspicious start, but things got a whole lot better as the day went on. Uh, you know, I don't think, you know, we rely on, you know, pressure too much. You know, I think that, you know, we just rely on execution. And, uh, you know, our defense played great today. Our O-line played great today. And, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, we just got to execute. And, you know, winning is a great feeling. You know, that locker room is is a memory that I'll remember for the rest of my life. And, uh, you know, I'm just so thankful to come out victorious. You know, I think deep down in my heart, you know, the way I was raised by my parents, um, you know, to never give up and, you know, not starting off too hot, but, you know, in my head, you know, I never give up. And, you know, that's how I'm going to be throughout the rest of my life, throughout the rest of my career, is uh, to never give up. Drew, we heard Marcus mention that you 
check to a different play or went into something on the touchdown that Audrey scored? Can you kind of take us through that or what the original call was or what you saw? Uh, the the one on like the two yard line. I, I think so. I think that's what he mentioned. No, no, we actually ran the same play four times, and you know we just our our, our uh, O line you know was battling their butts off, and you know when you give the ball to Audric, he falls forward. So uh, you know I trust those guys, and it's pretty easy when I can just hand it off and you know score a touchdown. So it looked like we saw him and, and Tommy kind of coach you hard there for a minute in the first half. What was what's kind of goes into responding to that and I guess how did that kind of give you a jolt even yeah, you yeah. first? <laughs> I saw that video. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I you know, Coach Reese, I always you know, I tell him to be hard on me. I texted him this Sunday and I said, I want you to be very hard on me in practice. I'm gonna treat practice like a game and I want you to as well. And you know, that's the standard he holds me to and that's what, you know, I asked for and I respond well to hard coaching. And because, you know, Coach Reese, I've known him for seven, eight years, and he just wants me to be at my best. And, you know, I prepared so hard. And, you know, to come out, you know, a little slow is, you know, he doesn't – that's not the standard he holds me to, and that's not the standard I hold myself to. And, you know, just coming out and finishing is, is uh, and never giving up and coming back in the second half was, uh, you know, what he – the standard he holds me to. And, uh, you know, we have a great relationship, and I'm very happy that he's my coach. And, uh, you know, he's going to keep coaching me that way, and I'm going to keep responding that way. And, um, you know, that's how our relationship is. Did the sort of flow of the offense or the calls change a whole lot in the second half, or would you just sort of chuck it up to, like, you guys were executing the better? Yeah, you, you know, it, it was just execution. You know, the first three drives I didn't execute. Coach Reese got us in perfect looks, and, you know, I just got to deliver the football. And, uh, you know, it's – it's it's great because you learn from it, you come back from it, and you you go out and win the game. So, it, why can you take that style of coaching in the first half yeah. and have it actually work for for you in a positive way mm -hmm. in the second half? Because I don't think that's something everybody can do. Yeah. Well, you know, ever since I got here, my freshman year, you know, he he held Ian to very high standard as well. And you know, as you guys know, I was very close with Ian, and so he held me to high standard as well. And so ever since my freshman year, I've been. He's coached me hard, but he's coached me hard to get me better in, you know, to make me a better person, to make me a better player, and make me a better teammate and leader. So, um, you know, I know his message, and you know, some whether he yells, whatever, whether whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. He's he, whatever he's telling me, he's telling me that for me to get better, and he's doing it with great intentions, and you know, it worked. So, uh, you know, I, I I play to you know put him in. You know, he puts us in a great position with plays, and, you know, I try to go execute them for him. And, uh, you know, just got to keep working. Drew, how much did the first scoring drive impact the mood of the, of the offense? Uh, you know, I think it was – it was, I think it impacted the whole team. Um, you know, before the game, we were talking about having energy on the sideline and, you know, bringing our own juice to the sideline. And whether it was offense, cheering for the defense, or vice versa, um, you know, just – Knowing that we could go down the field and score, and you know, score from you know twenty yards out, um, you know, the, I'll credit the O line. I mean, those guys were unbelievable. Joe Walt, Josh Lug, um, you know, Jay Pat, you know, uh, Blake and and Stoff and 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 uh, you know, the whole entire O line was just unbelievable today. And you know, I'm so thankful for those guys because they protect me every single play. And uh, you know, I'm just so thankful for all of them. Did you feel yourself maybe settle down and, and get in the rhythm and get a sense for what the defense was doing at some point in the game? Yeah, you know, I mean, I I saw everything the way, you know, I I saw it, you know, I watched film all week. And, 
you know, I saw everything the right, I saw everything on the field the right way, and I just got got to go out and execute. It wasn't any mental; it was all physical errors, and you know that's what we expected. And Coach Reese put, always puts us in a great position to play well, in a great position to succeed. And uh, you know, I just got to go out there and execute, and, and we started getting that roll, started rolling, and uh, you know, we came out and won. That's your starting quarterback, Drew Pine of the Fighting Irish, after his 17 for 23 throwing performance in the win over Cal on Saturday. 17 minutes after 6 o'clock. You know what helped Drew Pine? Chris Tyree got the football a whole lot more than he did in the first two weeks. We'll discuss that and more coming up as Sportsbeat continues on this Victory Monday on 960 AM WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday Sportsbeat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sportsbeat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Tenth play of this drive, eight of those ten plays, Ryan Ebbett runs. Second and nine from the 21, Pine from the pocket, pumps, throws to the end zone, caught of the two, and into the end zone. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Drew Pine threw down the near seam to Chris Tyree, who stuck out of the backfield, reached behind him on the two-yard line, caught it. By the time he turned around, he was in the end zone. 20-yard score. Notre Dame now trails Cal 7-6. Paul Burmeister on the Notre Dame Radio Network. That was from Saturday's Notre Dame victory over California, 24-17. Welcome back to Sportsbeat. Darren Pritchett with you, 24 minutes after 6 o'clock. We're on the air until 7 o'clock tonight. At 7 o'clock, it is Caveman Corner, live from the Mont at Monterey Mexican Grill on McKinley in Mishawaka. Mishawaka AD Dean Huppert will once again host the program on the guest list for tonight. Mishawaka Football assistant coach Joseph Caldroni. He'll bring along a couple of linemen, Tanner Parmalee and Dawson Nowacki. Also, cheer coach Erica Peebles and senior Ava Van Dam will be on Caveman Corner tonight, starting at 7 o'clock, following Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960. WSBT. Then we've got Monday Night Football from Westwood One. There's actually two games tonight in the National Football League. Usually this happens in week one, but two games tonight. You've got those high-flying Buffalo Bills hosting the Tennessee Titans, and then the Minnesota Vikings will be in Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. I'm really looking forward to that Vikings-Eagles game. In fact, I have a feeling that game may pop up in our sports wagering segment, we going to Sizzler at the end of the program. I'll tease it right now. It's hard to say because it's prime time. It's Monday Night Football. But I believe in Kirk Cousins tonight. Famous last words, possibly. But I believe in Kirk Cousins tonight in Philadelphia. So we'll have some sports wagering talk coming up at the end of the hour. And it was a really good Friday as I went 5-2, and two, picking a few more games with college and NFL. Went 3-0 and oh in the NFL. And boy, oh boy, how close I was to going 6-1 and one rather than 5-2. and two. I had Notre Dame covering the 10.5, and, and when that fumble was taken back to the house at the end of the game for a touchdown, review took it away. The Irish with the old backdoor cover, then it was taken away by replay. It was the right call. And then Notre Dame ultimately did not cover 
against California. Spread was right around 10.5. Irish won by seven. So five and two, not bad. It was a bad first four weeks or four days of the week last week. Glad I could salvage something with a five and two Friday. So we'll recap all that coming up in a couple of moments here on WSBT Radio. If you like stats, this is absolutely meaningless. When Chris Tyree wears blue or white on his jersey, he has 12 touches this year. When he wears a green jersey, all of a sudden, he's like a big spotlight. Everybody sees him. 22 touches in the game against California. Truly one of the head scratchers for Irish fans and media members over the first two games was the junior running back not getting the football very often 12 times in two games. Well, that all changed on Saturday against California. 22 touches for Tyree, 17 rushes for 64 yards, 3.8 yards per carry, five receptions on five targets for 44 yards, and the touchdown you heard that started this particular segment. Marcus Freeman, head coach of the Irish. How about the involvement of Chris Tyree on offense? Yeah, um, it was tough because you know, Logan was out really. He had an illness on Thursday, missed practice Thursday with an illness. And, you know, in our minds, it was like, okay, we're going to have to ride the back of, of Chris and Audric right now. And, and um, they both ran the ball really well. Uh, you know, I don't know how many yards they had, but, but I thought they both did a good job in the backfield with the ball. So do you kind of get the sense Diggs is back healthy? For this week that we're going to return to the three-headed monster and all those touches for Tyree we had on Saturday might go kind of by the wayside with Estimate Diggs and Tyree, at least as of right now, healthy for the game against North Carolina. Is the Irish offense at its best when Tyree gets more touches than the other two guys? It can be debated, that's for sure. I like Tyree with the football personally. I like the number of touches he got in the game. I kind of like two running backs over three, but I understand they have packages. They have all three running backs in various packages, and they use them in a variety of ways. Tyree, of course, used as a wide receiver. I just hope they don't lose touch with Chris Tyree. He's in a bit of a rhythm right now. Let's see what he can do. And, folks, Carolina... We've talked about their offense, but how do I put this lightly? They stink stopping the run. I mean, they're terrible. They are awful. Georgia State, App State ran right over North Carolina. So this is a game where you could have some big gain opportunities, and man, 25 is a pretty good option from where I'm sitting. So we'll see what digs back in the equation if All these touches go away. Again, I'm not expecting 22 again with three running backs in play, but there's no reason why he can't get 12 to 15 touches in this particular game. And here's Marcus Freeman talking about the state of the running back room. Uh, Yeah, I think, you know, if Diggs was healthy, um, he would have been, he would have been, you know, in the game plan for Saturday. He was available if we needed him. We, we just, you know, were, if we didn't need him, we were going to try to hold him out a little bit. He'll be ready to go. He practiced yesterday, had a great practice. And, uh, um, again, I, I just believe it. I haven't studied every single offensive program in the country, but if you don't have three legit running backs, you know, then um, 
to me, you're at a disadvantage. So we need three guys that can do different things. You know, I think all three of those guys bring in a different element into our offense. Um, and, and all three have done things that are done really well, and all three have room areas of improvement. So um, I believe that we're going to have to utilize them all, find different ways to put them in different positions, and, and use Tyree in the slot, use him in the backfield, use him in the pass game, as you saw, you know, for the one touchdown. And Aldrick, I mean, shoot, big man ran an angle route, caught the ball, and should have scored, you know, and tripped over his own feet. And, and Diggs, I think, presents a, a little bit of of a skill set that he can help you in the run game, pass game, and do some different things. And so we're going to need them all. All right, so you heard it there. All three are going to play, and, and he believes they need all three. You know, that's the one conversation I've not bought into as of yet. I don't believe you have to play three running backs to be as efficient as you want to be as an offense. They played three the first two games. How did that work out? It must be a sign they don't have that one true every down running back on this team that they got to use multiple guys. Kyron Williams was a workhorse for this football team. Chris Tyree, as a freshman, was the backup and still got 7.3 touches being a backup to Kyron Williams. Over the first two games this year, he averaged six touches and then went up to 22. Hey, they're all three talented players. I just can't sit here and say you have to play all three. Have to and could are two totally different things. I could play three offensive tackles if I wanted to. I could play three centers if I want to, but you don't do that. I like running backs to have a little bit of a rhythm. I thought Tyree got into a rhythm. I thought Estime was fine in the ballgame. In fact, according to Pro Football Focus, Tyree was on the field for 38 of 65 snaps. His offensive grade was fifth overall. Estime was fourth. The top three were all offensive linemen. We'll talk about that in a couple of moments. Estime, 18 carries, 76 yards, 4.2 yards per carry, and a touchdown. He was targeted in the passing game three times, caught all three passes for 43 yards, including a long of 36. As you heard Coach Freeman talk about, the illness to Diggs didn't practice on Thursday. Available, didn't play on Saturday. So it looks like we'll go back to the three-headed monster and the Tyree touches that we saw on Saturday will kind of get back to normal. I'm not going to say six touches like he averaged the first two games, but probably somewhere between six and 22. And at some point, if you have a hot hand, don't you have to write it? Offensive line, pro football focus grades. The top three were offensive linemen. Joe Alt, the left tackle, number one grade. Left guard, Jared Patterson, number two. Zeke Carell, the center, might surprise you, came in at number three. Right guard, Josh Lug was seventh. The big surprise, right tackle, Blake Fisher, 18th out of 19 players graded offensively for the Fighting Irish in the contest against California. Didn't have that great of a game against Marshall the week before. That is something worth watching. A lot of talent in Blake Fisher, but back-to-back games, not at his best. Here's Marcus Freeman on where his offensive line is and how well they played against the Golden Bears. You know, you know, you just really you're starting to see some consistency out of that group. You know, J-Pat, obviously this is his second game, but, 
you know, those guys being together for three games, they're getting better. They're improving. Um, the fundamentals, the execution, the techniques they're playing with are improving. They have a long way to go. They do. And um, they're an extremely talented group, but they're still young. And I know it's week three, but they're still young. But they're really starting to become cohesive and, and execute the way we want. But there's, there's teaching. It's funny. You watch the film, and there's teaching plays left and right. Of, if he's got to do this for us to take, make this a one, two-yard gain into a five- or six-yard gain or the six-yard gain into a 12-yard gain. And so that's the beauty of it, man. They did. They, they played much better. And they have a lot of room to grow. And I think those grades, in particular, Patterson, Correll, and Lug are significant because the interior of the California defensive line had some really good players. They were challenges for the offensive line. And for Correll to come in at number three, that is a major positive for this football team. And again, no surprise, Alton Patterson are near the top at one and two. But Fisher, 18th, that definitely catches your attention. Now let's get back to the stinky North Carolina run defense. Let me give you the numbers to kind of back it up. Now, the first game was against Florida A&M. They had some issues, eligibility. They didn't bring a complete team. They were missing several members of their offensive line. And in that game, Florida A&M, 27 carries, 56 yards, 2.1 yards per carry against Carolina. Okay, let's throw that out. That's not fair to bring into the conversation. That was a mismatch. So let's go with the last two opponents. Appalachian State, who after they lost that wild game to Carolina, went down to Texas A&M and beat the Aggies, and then App State Magic was back last Saturday, the Hail Mary touchdown at the gun to beat Troy in a day in which college game day was in Boone. But Appalachian State against the North Carolina run defense, 43 carries, 288 yards, App State averaged 6.7 yards per rush, and they had three rushing touchdowns. Two weeks ago, Carolina went to Georgia State. Why would you schedule a road game with Georgia State? Anyway, Georgia State in the game against Carolina, 54 rushes, 235 yards, 4.4 yards per carry. Even with Florida A&M's rushing performance in the total numbers, Carolina's run defense is still 111th out of 130 teams. They are allowing 193 yards per game. You take away Florida A&M, and they're giving up 260 rushing yards per game. Right now, 4.67 yards per carry for the opposition, and the opposition has scored four times on the ground against Carolina. Pro Football Focus, you might have several offensive linemen near the top once again and maybe a couple of running backs because this is a major mismatch. If the Irish offensive line plays to their caliber, they can open up some big holes against the Carolina run defense. Now, they were on a bye last weekend. I'm not sure magically they're going to come up with a solution. But the last two opponents, App State and Georgia State, that's not exactly Ohio State, Michigan State, or even Washington State from the Georgia State perspective. They have just absolutely ran over 
North Carolina. So you talk about a game plan against Ohio State of being conservative, run the football, keep Ohio State off the field. It's not being conservative, running the football against Carolina. If they can't stop it, why not run it over and over and over until they can stop you? The hope is this is the type of game, though, if you had a vertical game, my heavens, the opportunities that Tommy Reese would have. You get that running game rolling, bring up that safety into the box to stop the run, and oh my gosh, the passing lanes down the field. But does Notre Dame have a vertical threat? Can they get the ball down the field if that receiver gets open? Boy, that's a major, major question. But the opportunities might be there for the Irish offense if they get the run game rolling like App State and Georgia State have in the last two games against North Carolina. 21 minutes in front of 7 o'clock. Twitter question of the day is next on WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. I'm catching on the hosel, right? Yeah, right, right. Moving my head. Yeah. Clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess. Four, please. Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 644 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. This is your home of the Fighting Irish. 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT Radio app. Caveman Quarter, a look inside of Mishawaka High School Athletics coming up at about 16 minutes, live from Monterey Mexican Grill. Then we've got Monday Night Football here on WSBT Radio. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, today we have debuted a brand new question on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. But first, let's recap how well you guys did on Friday's program. Because the question was, what outright wagering combination will play out in the Notre Dame-California game? Your three choices were Notre Dame wins the game outright and covers the 10 and a half. The second choice, Notre Dame wins, but Cal covers the spread. And choice number three, California wins the game. The week before, Marshall got 1.8% of the vote. That turned out to be the correct answer. Who would have thought? Okay, the results from Friday. Coming in third place, Cal winning the game. For a while in the fourth quarter, you didn't know. California got 18.6% of the vote. That was not the correct answer. The second place vote was the correct answer. Notre Dame wins the game and Cal covers at 33.9%. And winning the vote, but not the correct answer at the end of the day. Notre Dame wins and covers the 10.5 if the fumble stands in the fourth quarter that was returned for a touchdown by Bracey then that would have been the correct answer. But unfortunately, replay got involved, and it was the correct call. Notre Dame wins and covers got 47.5% of the vote, but 
That was the incorrect answer. Thank you so much for voting. Greatly appreciate your time on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. Here is today's question. You can find it already at 960SportsBeat on Twitter. What was the most important development in the Notre Dame 24-17 win over California? I'm giving you four choices. Choice number one, the play of first-time starting quarterback, Drew Pine. Choice number two, running back Chris Tyree, much more involved in the Irish offense. The third choice, much better fourth-quarter defense by the Fighting Irish after hiccups in the first two weeks. No points scored in the fourth quarter by Cal against the Irish defense, although the last minute was way too interesting. And the fourth choice, simply, Notre Dame found a way to win a game after an 0-2 start. So again, you can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. What was the most important development in the Notre Dame 24-17 win over California? Drew Pines play, Chris Tyree more involved in the offense, much better fourth quarter defense, or simply, hey, they just found a way to win a game. We'll pass along the results on tomorrow's program and introduce Tuesday's Twitter question of the day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hi, everyone. Darren Pridgett for DraftKings Sportsbook. The NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers, you can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings Stepped up, same game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped up, same game parlays once per game day, all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code 960AM. To get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 960AM, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Indiana only. Bonus issued as free bets, one boost per eligible game, opt-in required, parlay, and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. 6.52 at WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you. We wrap up Sports Beat with our sports wagering segment. We go into Sizzler. Really good Friday. Seven suggestions. Went five and two. The losses that we had, Notre Dame minus 10.5 against Cal. Almost covered with that fumble recovery for a touchdown that was wiped out. And, boy, I totally missed on Florida. They did not play great at home against South Florida. They did not cover the 24. Our victories... Georgia minus 25 at South Carolina. Georgia won by 41. I took 
the family down at LSU, plus three against Mississippi State, and BK and the Tigers took care of Mississippi State by 15. That was a straight-up win. From the NFL, my three picks all were victories. I took the Patriots on the money line at the Steelers at minus 127. Patriots won 17-14. I took the Lions minus one and a half against the Commanders. Detroit ended up being the favorite at kickoff. Lions won 36-27. And we closed out with a victory backing the G-Men. Apparently Jalen Smith, the Irish linebacker, is signed with the Giants. I just noticed it on Twitter. Giants on the money line against the Panthers. That worked out. Giants won 19-16. So 5-2 on Friday after a horrible start to the week. Got to 10-13. Now 25-21-1 for the month of September. I got to be really quick on the picks for tonight. I've got Vikings, road underdog, plus 2.5 against the Eagles at minus 110. Titans, Bills, under 48 points at minus 110. From baseball, the Rays on the money line against the Astros at minus 120. Mets and Brewers under seven runs at minus 120. Scherzer versus Burns in that particular matchup. Sports Speed tonight brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser by South Bend Orthopedics, Midland Engineering Company, Tim Ground State Farm Insurance, the Mishawaka Education Foundation. Great to have you on board for Sports Beat tonight. We're back at it tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Caveman Corner, look inside of Mishawaka Athletics, is coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 